United Methodist Church. Loving as God intends through helping, healing, and home. This morning as we continue our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to begin in verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cared so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring enough, uh, will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. May we be blessed this morning by the reading and the hearing of God's word. Let's pray. Good morning, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to be able to, to come together in this way during this time to reflect on the scriptures, to reflect on the words that you have for us today. I pray this morning for a clarity of thought so that when I speak, it be the words that you have for us. I pray that you might hide me behind your cross so that what we experience today is your grace and your peace your love, your joy, your justice, and your righteousness. We pray all these things in your most holy and precious name. Amen. So as we're, as we're making our way through the Sermon on the Mount, I want to make sure that we don't get lost in the weeds. As, we, you, know, as you kind of start reading through it, we, if we're not careful, we'll begin to just really sort of um, burrow in and lose sight of the bigger picture. So I want to pull back out for a moment and 
re, uh, refresh our perspective on where we are in the sermon. In fact, where we are in the entire Gospel of Matthew, and then we'll kind of come back in and see how this whole thing is connected and, and sort of the trajectory of where Jesus has, is taking us in this sermon or, or taking the reader. So, first of all, one of the things that's really important for Matthew as the author of the Gospel uh, there's, there's a few things, but one of them that's really important is that he is, he is trying to establish Jesus as the new Moses. And, and what I mean by that is he's, there, there are things that are going on in the life of Jesus that uh, reflect the story of Moses that we get to read about in the book of Exodus. So, uh, for example, um, both of them come out of Egypt, Right, so so Moses, he comes out of Egypt in the story that Matthew tells us. Jesus, after being born in Bethlehem, they flee to Egypt, and then he comes out of Egypt, and so you see that um, they both have water in their stories that they come through or they come out of. So Moses, he leads the people across the Red Sea, and then in the Gospel of Matthew, we have the baptism of Jesus and Jesus emerging from the Jordan River. Moses and the Israelites spend 40 years in the wilderness, and, and Matthew tells us a story about Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness. And then Moses receives the law from God and then shares the law with the people of Israel. And, um, and then in a similar way, in this Gospel of Matthew, um, Jesus gives the law on the mountain. And the purpose of giving the law, both receiving it and then giving it like Moses did in the book of Exodus, or giving the law as Jesus does here in the, um, the Sermon on the Mount, is that um, where, whereas Moses is, for the first time, taking the people of Israel who have, who have been given these promises, going back to Abraham, um, well, and even, um, you know, if you want to talk about covenantal um, um, relationships. You could even go far as back as Noah, but but um, the purpose of the law here is to finally take these people and begin to shape them into what is the people of God, the nation of the people of God. And the purpose of that is to to begin to transform the world and the nations around them. And so what is happening here on the on the Sermon on the Mount is the same thing, is that Jesus is giving the law to the disciples to the people that have already begun to follow him in the same way that the Israelites were following Moses out of Egypt. He's taking that law and he is shaping them, shaping us to become citizens of the kingdom of heaven, the people of God. So Matthew is making sure that he draws these parallels so that we begin to see and begin to understand Jesus as the one who is shaping the new kingdom, who is leading the people into this new kingdom in the same way that Moses led the people into the promised land. Jesus is leading us into these promises of God. And so he is the new Moses, but he's greater. And it's really important for, for Matthew. So we get to this point, right, where we begin to understand, and this brings us back to the beginning of our sermon series, we begin to understand that what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's giving us instruction. He's giving us the law. It's, it's kingdom of heaven 101. And the idea is that the kingdom of heaven is different than the kingdoms of the earth, in the same way that the people of Israel were supposed to be different than the other peoples of the earth. And what we begin to see, though, is that this kingdom is not only, uh, not only is the purpose of this kingdom to transform the world, 
but in the process of transforming the world, it has to be completely different than the world. And what we begin to see is that this kingdom is upside down from what we as people who are, I mean, we're from this world, we live in this world, it's upside down from the things that we've come to expect. It's an upside down kingdom that, that transforms our hearts. And it transforms our hearts in such a way that it allows us to love all people as God intends. But flipping, flipping our world upside down can cause a lot of anxiety. It can cause a lot of stress. It, um, it's hard when all of a sudden everything that you thought you knew, you begin to realize you may not have actually, actually known. And so... So Jesus then begins to address this idea, um, to address this anxiety that he can anticipate the disciples having by bringing into question, what are the things that we trust? And so this is where we've, this is where we've gotten to in this sermon, right? So if you, if you go and you look back, right, Jesus has, he began by talking about um, it began with the Beatitudes, and blessed are those who are poor and realize their need for him, the king, um, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And so we begin to see that, um, that, that it flips it upside down, right? Um, where everyone is seeking wealth, the kingdom of heaven says that maybe there is an idea that when you're poor, you're able to find um, God and find the kingdom of heaven easier, um, when you mourn, and mourning is a thing that we often try to avoid, but but we can begin to see that that is blessed, and and the humble, and and so all of these things. Um, he begins there, and then he teaches us that we're the salt and the light, and so that that we transform the world and that we glorify God, um, and then he t- begins to give us the new law. He said, "You've heard this, and now I'm telling you this," and then he goes into the relationships. The, the relationship between husband and wives. Um, the, he teaches all about vows. Um, teaches about revenge, about love for enemies. He starts teaching about how how what we're supposed to be doing is is giving to the needy, staying connected to God and, and to each other through our prayers. He talks about fasting, and then he gets here, and, he, and the question really becomes, what do you trust? So in, in all of this world, all of, the, all of the things that maybe we would have trusted in the past are gone. Now, in, in, in verse 24 of this chapter, he says this, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will... Uh, be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, in the in the original Greek, Matthew keeps an Aramaic term. It's mammon, and that's the word that we translate as money. Now, there are some scholars that believe that the reason he kept that word is because all of a sudden that word would be foreign. It would have a foreign sound to the readers who were reading it originally in Greek, and then maybe by doing this, what Matthew is hinting towards is this idea that, that uh, with this, this foreign-sounding word, that, that in fact there is some other type of God 
out there. And by bringing up this idea of another God, it's not about, it's not about what do you worship, but in, in whom or in what do you ultimately find your um, sense of security? Do we find our sense of security in our stuff? That's what he first begins to address. And he says that stuff can be destroyed. It can be destroyed by, by human and natural forces. Stuff can be stolen. Banks can fail. Stuff can be ruined by moths and termites, rust and rot. See, ultimately, our stuff can't protect us anymore then we can ultimately protect it. And so I just pause for a moment. And I ask myself, like, where do I really find my, my sense of comfort? Where do I find my, um, where do I find, um, where do I place my trust in this world? Like, do I think that as long as I have a house, I'll be okay? As long as I have, Money, I'll be okay. As long as I have a car, I'll be okay. And, and, um, or, or am I looking to something else? What gives me a sense of peace in this world? Is it knowing that I have stuff? Because what Jesus is pointing out here is that you, you may not always have stuff. And then he brings up this idea of an eye, your eyes. And I think what he's getting at here by, by putting it in, here in the flow of the argument is that the question becomes, what are you going to look to for comfort and security? Where are you looking? Are our eyes full of light? In other words, are we looking towards God? Or are they full of darkness? Are we looking towards something else? And... And what's being pointed out here is that this question, it gets to the heart of our, of our very being, our very essence as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Because ultimately, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we have to give up trusting in stuff. And we simply have to seek the kingdom of heaven and to live righteously. That's what, that's what Jesus says here. Seek, this is verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I, I want to expand this idea for a moment of the things that we seek because yes, Jesus is very much addressing here stuff but I think that we also spend time seeking, um, or we find our comfort, we find our, our um, security in other things as well. Maybe my knowledge. Maybe I think that I'm, I'm so smart that, um, that that's where I find my, my, um, my comfort, my security. Maybe it's in my position. Maybe it's always having to be right. Always having to have all the answers. Maybe it's 
maybe it's the comfort that I find isn't in the person of God, but maybe it's in believing that I have God all figured out. And so maybe, maybe I don't even find my comfort in God, but I, have, I find comfort in my concept of who God is. But what we should be learning here in the Sermon on the Mount is that, is that the, the whole world is flipped upside down. And at some point, if you remember, we have to let God shape us rather than us shape God. Because remember, when he says to, to seek righteousness, he's talking about right relationships with God and with each other. If we truly live this way, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we're going to find that we actually don't have to worry. Because what ends up happening is we, we, we begin to look out for each other. We, we listen to Jesus teach us what it means to fulfill Torah. We share bread. We forgive one another. We seek peaceful resolutions among us. And when we do that, when we live the way that Jesus has been describing up to this point, then we begin to realize that I don't have I don't have to worry about, about all these other things because I know I have a community that has my best interests in mind. I began to think about that. And there's this, there's this song. It's, a, it's an older song. By, it's, it's a band called 21 Pilots. And in, in the song, he talks about how um, he longs for those days when he was a child. And there's this, there's this line in there, he goes, between student loans and um, treehouse homes, we all would take the latter. If we could turn back time, this is another line in the song, if we could turn back time to the good old days when um, our mama sang us to sleep, but now I'm stressed out. And, and I began to think about that and think about what Jesus is saying here in the Sermon on the Mount. And it made me realize, like, my children, right, they, they don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to have a next meal. The biggest, the biggest concern they have is what the next meal might be. Um, they, they don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to have a place to sleep they're, they're more concerned about bedtime. When is it? Or how much sleep am I going to get? They don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to be exposed to the elements because they know that mom and dad have a house that they get to sleep in. They're not worried about whether or not they're going to have clothes. They're worried more about the style of the clothes that they might have. Well, maybe one of my children is more concerned about that than the other. But my point is this, is that my children know that they have a, a loving mother and father that are going to make sure that everything is taken care of. And if for some reason we couldn't, they also know that, that they've got Nani 
and they've got grandma and grandpa and they've got aunt Jennifer and uncle David and they got uncle John and aunt Kelly and, and uh, aunt Julie and uncle Jeff. And, and they've got this whole network of family that they're going to be taken care of. And so they don't have to worry about those things. They have other things that they have to worry about, like whether or not they're going to get good grades. Um, right? Isn't that what Jesus says? So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In other words, you're going to have worries. We're still going to, there's still going to be things that stress us out. And so it's not about doing away with worries. It's about where do we find our trust. My children can trust that they will always have a roof over their head, that they will always have food in their bellies and clothes on their back. And so they don't have to worry about those things. And what Jesus is saying here is that if we, if we truly live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we have a family. We have a heavenly father. And we've got aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, cousins. All, all living in the kingdom of heaven. All looking out for one another. And what could be more comforting than that? Amen. Amen.